Welcome to the Calligraphy Sessions on calligraphy.org, hosted by Melissa Asplin at Melissa Fur on Instagram, Catherine Christenberry at Fleur de Letters on Instagram, and Bailey Rivera at Antiquary Design on Instagram. Three ladies of letters making a living doing calligraphy and loving the alphabet A through Z. For show notes, information, and more episodes, visit calligraphy.org backslash podcast and be sure to connect with us on instagram at calligraphy org we are so excited to be launching this podcast after dreaming of it for almost a year the three of us along with a ton of our other calligraphy friends had noted the need for a letters focused podcast and we craved a space to listen to and connect with other calligraphers doing their thing day in and day out Whether you're brand new to calligraphy or doing calligraphy professionally full-time, we hope you'll spend a little bit of time with us each week, geeking out about letters, learning new tips, and hearing from the field's top artists. The three of us are so happy to be with you today and are thrilled that you've invited us into your studios for some calligraphy chats. Being the inaugural episode of the Calligraphy Sessions, we thought we would start by introducing ourselves and giving you a little peek into our lives, work, and calligraphy practice. So, without further ado, Melissa, let's kick the th- let's kick things off with you. How did you get into calligraphy? Oh man, well, I've I've always loved letters, um, and I've loved design, but I didn't know anything about computers. In fact. I really didn't even know how to turn off a computer until like 2003. It's a little embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I um, I even had like a little stationary business when I was 15. Didn't make any money, but I had a lot of fun and I learned, um, I eventually learned design programs in like mm, early 2004. Um, I was working as a secretary in a design office on campus um, and the designers kind of took me under their wing and they kind of helped tutor me to help me learn the design programs. So I moved on to a designer in that same office and, um, and I thought, well, you know, there's a font for that. So I kind of ditched the hand lettering because there's a font for that. And it wasn't until like (laughs) 2008, 2009. Um, it was actually, um, one of my friends did this amazing printable and of course, like it, it wasn't a font and it kind of struck me to get back to my roots. And not long after that, I found out that my great, great grandfather was a calligrapher and sign painter in Utah. And I inherited one of his books and one of his oblique holders. And it was kind of like this, I need to get back into this. It was this huge impetus. Um, what about you, Catherine? What got you bitten by the calligraphy bag? Well, first, I just want to say it's so awesome that your great, great grandfather was a sign painter. That is like the coolest <laughs> um, and like such a special heritage for you to have. So being a clear for yourself now. Um, for me, I would say that... Um, I first got hooked on calligraphy. Well, I should say I first got introduced to calligraphy when I was um, in my mid-20s. I had graduated from college and I had a degree in fine arts and I was teaching art to um, K through eighth graders at a small little sweet little private school in Atlanta. Um, And I just I felt like I had been pouring into my students for years, but I wasn't really feeding my own creativity um, the same way that I had in college. So um, while I was still teaching, I decided to go back to school and study graphic design. So um, I enrolled at the Portfolio Center, which is in Atlanta, and I was really introduced to for the first time and completely fascinated by classes like typography and logo design. And um, what I started noticing was that my favorite images for the most part, all incorporated either hand lettering or um, other hand-drawn elements. And so um, at the same time, my now husband and I had gotten engaged and um, I had started looking for our wedding invitations with my mom. Um, And the designs that I loved were all made by calligraphers. And it's funny because at that time, I don't even think I really knew what calligraphy was. I definitely didn't have an appreciation for it. So I remember being in this stationery store with her and realizing what pointed pen calligraphy was for the first time and really just knowing that I wanted to use calligraphy for our wedding. Um, 
However, being the stubborn artist that I am, I didn't think I would find something that I really liked unless I made it on my own. So um, I went out and I signed up for my first lesson. I found this wonderful teacher um, named Joyce Tedda at the Calligraphy Center in Winston-Salem. She's still great. Look, still there. She's great. Look her up. Um, Joyce and I spent some time together and then she sent me straight from her studio to John Neal Booksellers, which is in Greensboro. And, um, I had a list of everything I would need to get started. So I went home with all the tools, um, to start practicing. And my, the first thing that I did after that lesson was I worked through, um, Eleanor Winter's book, Mastering Copper Plate Calligraphy, which, I highly recommend. I learned so much and I'll link to it in our show notes. But anyways, um, I worked through that in my free time and eventually I designed and our dress and addressed our wedding invitations. Um, so that was kind of my first big project. And, um, like I said, I was in grad school for design. So all of these things are kind of merging together. And then in the months and years that followed, it seemed like I just could not sign up for enough classes. I wanted to learn about every style that was out there. And I wanted to learn from every teacher I could meet. Um, I was totally hooked. So I caught the bug and, um, as they say, the rest is history. So anyways, Bailey, last but not least, can you tell us how you found calligraphy? Of course. Uh, that was so interesting, Catherine. I had no idea that you were a teacher before. Um, that makes so much sense. You're good with kids and you're good at calligraphy teaching. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, and also Mastering Copper Plate Calligraphy was one of my first books and I still use it all the time. So it's such, yeah, it's really, really good book. Uh, very, very basic. Anyway, um, calligraphy found me kind of unexpectedly when I was working as a visual merchandiser, uh, after I graduated from college, I had moved to Dallas, Texas and I, I was kind of by myself. I didn't really have, really have a lot of friends. Um, but I've always been really hands-on and creative and I've loved making things, um, but I never considered myself being good at anything like quote unquote art related, uh, fine art related, anything that wasn't crafty. I had a pretty negative experience with an art teacher when I was growing up and I just didn't pursue art ever after that. I did music, I was in band, but I just would not consider taking a class. So. Anyway, um, in college, I studied fashion, but the business side of it, so retail merchandising. And when I graduated and got a real job, the company that I worked for designed and executed store windows for retail as well as events. So part of my duties were to go and pick up menus and place cards from the calligraphy studio of Susie Melissa Cherry in Dallas. And we ended up chatting a lot every time I would go into her studio. And <laughs> she finally convinced me, um, it actually wasn't a hard sell at all, but to take a three-hour script class with her at her studio. I had no idea that what she did was actually done by hand, embarrassingly. Um, I thought she did it on the computer until I actually saw her. So that was in 2009. And... I fell really hard and really fast and I practiced and practiced and practiced. But to be honest, I kind of thought that it was something that would be a phase and that might last a few weeks or a month. And when I kept practicing for hours and hours a night, every night, every day for months, I knew that it was something that I wanted to pursue full time. And I had been looking for something to make into a business anyway. I knew that I wanted to move back to Austin, Texas, which is where I'm from, and that I wanted to work for myself ultimately. Uh, that had always been a goal of mine. So later that year, I, I quit my job, uh, moved back to Austin, and moved in with my parents and started my client calligraphy business, Aim and Design Studio. It was a super scary decision, but one that I am so glad that I made. I was in my early 20s at the time, 
and the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, I don't think I could make that decision now that I have more responsibilities. So it was really, it was really cool that I just pulled, I pulled the plug and I did it and I'm proud of myself for that. But anyway, I've been very actively studying calligraphy ever since. And I try to take as many classes as I can, like you, Catherine. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with taking classes to broaden <laughs> my knowledge of the art form. Um, I could go on and on and on, but I think that pretty much sums up how everything started. So without any further ado, um, Melissa, do you want us to tell us a little bit about your business, um, the classes yeah. you have, how you incorporate calligraphy into your day-to-day -day life, et cetera? Love to know. Yeah. Um, okay. I love that you kind of share your crazy leap of faith because I mean, that really <laughs> I think we've all kind of done that at one at one time or another and and like the calligraphy business and like making it a business really was a leap of faith for us um so it all started with a blog I started blogging in um like early 2007 um maybe late 2006 um and I I wanted this to be a space for, um, me to kind of express my creativity. Um, my, my tagline is I still love you. And, um, I became a mom in 2008 and totally lost my identity, hated that. And I, but I still wanted to be a mom, you know? And so I went back to, you know, making myself do something creative every day. And I would post mm -hmm. tutorials and things like that. And, I, and around 2009 was when I started to get back, get into calligraphy and get back into this like calligraphy, creative lettering design process. And, um, at that point I had had, I, I had a pretty decent following and I was posting more hand done things and people were asking me, how did you do this? Because I'm posting tutorials all the time. And I, you know, I'm looking at this, my work was nothing to really write home about, honestly, at that point, you know, it was still really young, but there wasn't a whole lot out there about modern pointed pen and certainly no classes out there at that point. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know if I want to be putting this out there as a tutorial because it's just different for everyone. Um, so anyway, I, um, I talked to my husband, he was sort of changing careers at that point. And, um, so he was getting into web development and I was writing this book or coursework of some kind. And I didn't know what form that was going to take actually. And as luck would have it, he got fired from his first development job and he walks in the door. I knew he was fired for some reason. It just like hit me. And I was like, well, Chris, let's get to work. And that was when he developed my platform. And um, basically, I've been teaching online since, um, gosh, since 2012, 2011, 2012. Awesome. That's so um, awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a big leap of faith because, you know, he got fired from his job. He's like, he, we had to hustle to get that out the door. And then he found a new job and we were both kind of working together. And the problem that we found was, you know, my responsibilities were increasing and increasing and mm -hmm. he was getting bored with his job. And we, we wanted to, ju to justify letting Chris quit, quit his job and come on and work with me full time as my dedicated developer. And we didn't do that until two years ago. So 2013, May, 2013. And it was scary, like making that leap and saying, okay, well, we've got a mortgage. We've got, at that point we had two kids. We have some serious responsibilities that we have to take care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if crap, it's a fan, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in yeah. charge of a lot. Yeah. So that was scary, but it's, you know, it's two, been two years. Um, my parents were very skeptical at first about <laughs> that leap of faith, but, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of crazy. What about your, you, Catherine, did you, did it take a leap of faith to, to get you to, you know, make that move? 
I mean, yes and no. Um, I would say that, you know, kind of like your story, there were little breadcrumbs being laid along the way, but it was never, you know, it's like you walk down this path and you don't maybe have a exact direction outlined, but then things all come together, just Mm -hmm. like what you were just saying. And, um, yeah, eventually it's like, oh, I'm, I'm at this place that I never set out to be. So, um, yeah, I didn't really like set out to become a calligrapher or start a calligraphy business. Um, like I said, I, I learned when I was, um, living in Atlanta, I was in grad school and, um, after I designed the stationary materials for our wedding, I, um, started having just a couple friends every now and then, um, ask me to help them with designs for their wedding or their showers or other events. And, um, honestly, I was pretty hesitant because I didn't really feel very qualified. Um, I really, I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing or like my work was very good yet, but the people that approached me, these friends of mine, um, they were super supportive and just the way that they believed in me and, um, enthusiastically wanted me to help them was, um, just, it was just the motivation that I needed to give these new projects a shot. So Um, I said goodbye to my teaching job when we got married because I had to move from Atlanta. Well, not had to. I was excited, but I left Atlanta and moved to um, Durham, North Carolina. And um, all of a sudden I was I was in this really unfamiliar new stage. I was trying my best to settle into a new identity as a wife. And I was trying to navigate this new town and go on all these new friend dates and um, just on top of the move and the marriage. um, I knew we weren't going to be in Durham for very long. So um, looking for just a traditional job, going through that whole job hunt process was it was a little unusual circumstances for me at the time. So um, added to this mix, I was still like really into taking calligraphy classes. Um, I was still in that phase where I was totally hooked and I was just digesting whatever I could. And, and, um, I used that season to help friends and acquaintances, um, really with as many creative projects as I could. Um, so that was a great learning experience. And, Eventually, I made the decision to really struggle through making things official. I I had no idea what I was doing. I um, I emailed my friends that I thought were super clever to help me come up with a name, and um, I found a website template that I could just use to piece together for my first website. Just a, like a few. Um, the few photos that I had of, of those projects I had done. And, um, I really just like sheepishly started assigning prices to my services. Um, so all that came together. And the next thing I knew we were moving to New York city and I was kind of declaring myself a calligrapher and telling everyone I was available for hire. So it happened slowly. I mean, I, I definitely, um, tried to give away, um, as much as I could in the beginning, like just practice, practice, practice. Um, and really and truly, um, my strategy has been from the beginning just to say yes to everything. Even if I had never done something before, I would just commit to teaching myself along the way. And, um, I knew I had the drive and the passion, um, to either find people who could help me or just to educate myself through trial and error. Um, but for years, I mean, early on, I really wished that I had a community to turn to with questions. And I always, um, kind of longed for mentors or even just colleagues that I could reach out to when I hit those early roadblocks. Um, or just share my journey and my projects with. I mean, sometimes, you know, when we work alone and it's kind of like, you want to, you want like to have a teacher to, to take your work to and be like, what do you think of this? Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's a, it's a really big reason that I'm excited. We're doing this podcast and, um, I'm excited that we're going to be able to give at least hopefully a little guidance to anybody who is starting their own calligraphy practice. Um, and maybe still has a lot of, unanswered questions, um, 
we're here to help by just providing another tool that wasn't around when we were taking those early steps. So like I said, it was kind of, it was a slow beginning, but um, not slow in the sense that I was just really in love with what I was doing. Um, And I think that that's something that we all have in common. So anyways, Bailey, um, I'm sure you can relate to a lot of this that we've said already, but um, what were the early days of Antiquaria like and how were things in the beginning for you and Emma? Yeah, it, yeah, very interesting, very different than they are now. Uh, First, Catherine, when did you start your business? Um, In 2012. Okay, okay. So I've been doing this full time for the last three years. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congrats. That's so cool. I think that what's so interesting, Catherine, about what you were talking about is that it seems to be, unlike maybe myself or Melissa, the most traditional path to a calligraphy business, um, kind of finding it through doing your own wedding or just, you know, finding out about calligraphy from that realm. Mm -hmm. from, From people that I know, at least, that... I've worked with or that our friends, it seems like a lot of people approach it like very slow, slow yeah. to the business aspect of it, not necessarily to the practice, but to the business and, um, right. which is really cool. So I think you're, you're a great voice for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, the crazy world of Antiquaria, which, um, started in 2010, which was about, a year after I started my client calligraphy business. So bear it in mind, I already had a full-time business at this point. And I started another business called Antiquaria with my business partner, Emma James, who I met because she worked in an Austin stationery shop and was designing custom wedding invitations. And we'd met a couple of times in the shop because I did projects for them envelope jobs, invitations, et cetera. But she was getting married that year and knew that I did more modern styles, which in 2010 was not easy to find at all. And so not, not Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So (laughs) she had pulled a whole bunch of inspiration for me and we collaborated on her envelopes. She designed her wedding invitation. It had a cactus theme because they were getting married in central Texas. And together we did kind of, I did a few samples for her and we did like a coordinating envelope. It had two colors. It was like a gray and an orange to coordinate with the invitation. It was really beautiful. Obviously very different than what my work looks like now, um, five years later, but anyway, very cool. So once I addressed her wedding invitations, we really hit it off and became friends and the rest is pretty much history we kind of realized that we had a super similar and complementary visual aesthetic. She had been a product like inspiration developer for Abercrombie and Fitch in New York City. She was a fashion designer that went to Parsons. And so she's really, really conceptual in that way. And I think to find somebody that our aesthetics speak to one another so well is super unique. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so I'm very, very, very lucky to have her as a business partner and friend. But anyway, her invitation, once it was photographed, um, it got featured on the really popular paper blog, Oh So Beautiful Paper. And to this day, it is our top selling invitation in our line. So yeah, it's a, it was a good one. Um, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I love and, how those like those products of passion, like yeah. those passion projects that you do, like they end up being among the best sellers. Yeah. You know, because every it time it really does have your heart heart and soul into it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's also yeah. kind of funny to like sell your own wedding invitation because I've sold my own wedding invitation <laughs> as <Yeah>. well. <laughs> and you're like, that was my wedding. Bailey, invitation. you have to share a share a picture with us. Oh, absolutely. We'll yeah, include we'll that we'll include that link yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. I would love to yeah, see we'll it. Yeah, we'll share mine and Emma's. Um anyway. And <laughs> okay. I'll try to find the I'll try to find photos from our weddings. Both of our weddings as well. Anyway, um, 
So we were both kind of in the middle of stationary, like being bogged down by stationary, right? At this point, I was doing envelopes after envelopes after envelopes, and she was doing invitations after invitations after invitations. So we thought, what a great idea. Let's do something besides stationary and do another business. So Antiquary actually started with vintage housewares and a vintage houseware registry for brides and grooms as well as custom rubber stamps for save the dates and wedding invitations and actually don't even think we had wedding invitations when we started it was save the dates and return address stamps and that might be it um that were that were all hand lettered or calligraphy so we launched it in 2010 it was we were really lucky. It was pretty much a success from the the start. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was more than we could have ever asked for. So anyway, we eventually had to let go of the vintage houseware aspect of it because the stationary side got so much larger than the houseware side plus storing dishes is not mm. in your home <laughs> is not the most delightful thing um, or the most kind thing to our husbands. So we decided Unless you're using them for dinner every night. Right. Well, we had um, in the in the end, my entire two car garage was filled with dishes. Like oh, if you can imagine bankers boxes That's full crazy. of dishes. We had like a thousand listings of vintage housewares. Wow. Yeah. Holy moly, anyway, that's insane. It was so much fun. It was so much fun and I do miss it and I do miss miss going around and like looking for them. But I I think well, that I'm sure you learned so much about just have keeping inventory and like cataloging all of that. And I mean that's a, such a great like learning experience too. Yes. It was definitely very different than my client calligraphy business. Um, mm -hmm. and just in general, luckily my dad and my husband are both accountants. So that works to our advantage with anything that's new like that. Oh, that is so nice. That I know. So nice. I know. Um, yeah, very, very nice. My dad is actually the one that does, um, antiquaries books. So He's awesome. And oh my gosh. yeah, anyway, so I think it was in 2012. Yeah, 2012, the very beginning of the year, I moved to Los Angeles with my fiance, who's now my husband, Dominic. And at that point, I closed my client calligraphy business because it was mostly local in Austin. And I've been doing Antiquaria full-time as well as Emma. She's, we've both been at Antiquaria full-time since the beginning of the year 2012. So we've been in business for five years now and have both been full-time since 2012. And that's awesome. Yeah. Which is mm -hmm. so, I mean, we're so lucky it's, and we love it. It's so much fun. Um, but it's just constantly evolving. I mean, her and I do not work in the same city we see each other maybe three times a year. We work remotely. I now live in Denver, wow. Colorado, and she holds down the fort in Austin, which is where the business is based. So we've just had to pivot. We've had, you know, had to pivot our product lines and our, our mission and everything. And so it's kind of fun because it's a, it's a really cool business challenge, but it's also you know, hard, like a really hard struggle. And, you know, ultimately you're the one paying the price or getting the reward. So it all comes down on your shoulders. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely love running a business, but I bet that most people don't realize that you guys live in different States. I, um, we do not, we do not really publicize that. Um, we have a, we have a uniform front of the businesses in Austin because it is everything ships from Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's such a, it's yeah. such a testament to the two of you. Like you guys must work so well together and have such strong communication to be able to run the successful business that you run from long, like long distance. I just, I think it's, I think that's awesome. And I mean, props to you and Emma. Yeah, it works. Yeah. 
way better than you would ever imagine. Um, I actually think I'm quite productive when I'm just isolated in my studio by myself (laughs) with my cup of coffee. (laughs) But I mean, it is, it is that it's isolating not to be in an office and not to have her around or any other, you know, people, uh, related to the business. So, I, I do miss that, but you know, there's, there's screen share and video conferencing and we usually talk at least once a day on the phone or text or whatever. But yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, when I said that we were lucky that we found each other, we really were because I, we jumped into it very, very, very fast. Almost like, you know, if you met your husband and you got married, like a month later, that's what it was like because <laughs> having a business with someone is essentially being married to them for yeah. a lot of purposes. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, cause you're financially tied and you know, you are, you're stuck with them until, you know, you dissolve the business or sell it. You know, it, it's, it's a very big commitment that, you know, we just really lucked out that it's been so great. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. And then now we don't get to see each other quite as much, but I am going to Austin for a work trip very soon. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, where was I? So we got rid of the dish aspect of it, the housewares. And then we really focused in on our wedding invitations and our custom member stamps. And then as of last year, so fall 2014, basically exactly a year ago, we launched a wholesale line of products. So to be sold in retail stores, nation and internationally wide, um, which is where we're focusing most of our time and effort in right now because it's very creative, fulfilling. We get to just collaborate and design what we want and what we think you know ne- we need to see in the market. And luckily, the response has been really awesome. And you know, I can I can see how this aspect of our business is going to be really exciting to us for years to come because there's always different products to go into like, you know, journals or pencils or, you know, anything like gift Mm -hmm. or stationary related, you know, like always a challenge, like, oh my gosh, where are we going to get that produced? How are we going to do it? How do you set up the file? But you know, you're, you're constantly introducing these challenges, but you're not working like air quotes, working for anybody but yourself at that point, you're designing exactly what you want to design. So Hmm. it's very different because it's, you know, you buy, you either sample or you buy the product up front and then you sell it. So it's much more financially risky, but I ultimately it's, it's very, very rewarding. So we now get to balance having, you know, these, product development meetings, as well as, you know, servicing our wedding clients and, you know, uh, just the general online orders. Cause we have a pretty large e-commerce site at this point as well. Um, shop And we have all of our products on there as well as invitations and custom, custom stamps, um, which we have hundreds of designs. So it's grown a whole, whole lot in five years. And I'm really looking forward to what's next for it because it's always something different, which I love Mm. keeps things interesting. So anyway, um, that's enough blabbering for me, but I, (laughs) (laughs) on and on and on (laughs) anyway, um, you know, Melissa, I would really love to know like what tools you use because you do kind of do different stuff than, than I do, especially with teaching and everything. Um, like what do you use every single day? Oh gosh. It, it varies a lot. Um, so man, cause I'm doing a lot of brush right now. I'm launching a brush lettering class soon and, awesome. um, you know, maybe by the time this airs, it'll already be launched. I hope so anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm picking up a lot of brush markers and they're really, really fun. Like the Sakura Koi Pentel color brush, the Tombow brush markers are really fun. Um, as far as like point and pen stuff, you know, I think 
a lot of calligraphers may cringe at this, but I <laughs> love the Hunt 99. Like I absolutely love it. It's, it's very similar to the Esterbrook 357, but it's not vintage. It's a modern nib that's being produced. It's super cheap and you can just go through them pretty quickly and you don't feel guilty about going through them. Um, and honestly, like my nib choice is, it, it changes constantly. I, something that I found is like, especially with a lot of beginners is they, they find a nib that kind of jives with them most popularly like the Nico G and they'll use that nib for every kind of style that they do. And mm-hmm. I switch mine up depending upon the style. So if I'm going for like a really flexible, um, a really dramatic style that has just super dramatic hair or thicks and like super fine hairlines, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the hunt 99. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going for something that's like almost a, a mono line, I'm going to switch it up to the, like the Nico G, um, because it is a stiffer nib. You don't really have to worry about that consistency. So I, I tend to switch things up a lot when it comes to the nibs. Um, as far as the paper goes, oh my gosh, my mind's eye, it's the scrapbooking paper. So I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah, grew up here, spent a little bit of time in San Francisco area. I'm back and I'm like totally loving the Utah experience. I love it. Um, <laughs> we are in like stationary Mecca, like so many stationary <laughs> companies were and like, especially scrapbooking companies were born here and they're just huge. So, um, my mind's eye is a scrapbooking company. They also have like really cute party goods and whatnot. Um, they have this, um, heavy cardstock that is awesome for pointed pen. It, it handles ink so well and it comes in a bunch of different colors and, you know, being a scrapbook paper company, it's gotta be archival. So it's archival. It's great. I love this paper. Okay, Melissa, what is this paper? (laughs) (laughs) It's just my mind's eye, um, heavy cardstock. I think we'll have the link in the show notes. Awesome. Um, And I even have, I collaborated with them and we've got like paper packs. So like we have a tropical paper pack and then another one that's, um, that has like, like a variety of colors. And I use these colors for my um, calligraphy name of the day series. And I just yeah, I okay. really love that. Yeah. So it's just kind yeah. of fun. Um, and then as far as um, I, you know, I use Illustrator and Photoshop. I've been talking to a couple of people about graphics programs and those are the really the only programs I trust. And mm-hmm. yeah. if you're, if you're going to become, if you're going to go into the design world, like, why mess around with anything else? They've been around from the very, very beginning. So I, you know, that's all I use. Yeah. Um, and to take my photos, I use the Nikon D7000. Um, it's got a prime 35 millimeter lens, which is also another kind of unsung hero. Um, it's, it's got a, a wider lens than the 50 millimeter, but it comes in like 1.4 eight aperture. So you, it does really, really well at low light. So, cause I take most, I take all of my own pho- photography unless, you know, maybe sometimes I can convince my husband to, you know, hold the iPhone while I'm doing a <laughs> video or something. So yeah, you're a yeah. studio assistant. Yes. Yes. He's, he's the studio assistant with benefits. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yes. Um, and then like, as far as printers go, I, I got this, um, Canon, what is it? The Canon, like Pixma MG 2530, something or other. That's really great. It scans super high res, like 1200 DPI. I love that. Um, that's kind of what I use on the day to day. Like I really do switch it up a lot because I'm teaching and I'm, I'm helping yeah. people with their own specific needs. So if they're having troubles with say like the hunt One Hundred One and Higgins ink on a specific paper, I'm going to try and replicate that problem so that I can best figure it out and explain to them what they can do to fix the problem. Yeah. And you know, or if it's, you know, cause I want to make sure that it's, it's not the supplies. Cause that's half the mm-hmm. problem when learning. Yeah. Is like the supplies the are just not yep. a good fit. And you know, yep. people may, have great recommendations for supplies, but it really is a personal 
journey yeah. to try and find yeah. those. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's always a combination. Like you yeah. could find the right nib, but if you're using the wrong ink or the wrong paper, I mean, so it really oh, yeah. is like more than one thing. I think it's so smart that you are like, going alongside of your students and putting yourself in their shoes yeah. and saying, oh, I know why you have this problem because X, Y, Z. Yeah. So, yeah. Mark so of a good teacher. Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, Catherine, you mentioned that you didn't feel qualified to design your wedding, like these wedding invitations for friends. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I totally was not qualified to teach calligraphy online when I started. I mean, I feel like I am now because... It, it got to the point. I think Done it was, it. oh gosh, it was Fozzie who took my class back in, like she was one of my first students. She decided to take my class and I'm thinking, what are you doing in this class? You are way better than I am. So then I, it was sort of that <laughs> moment where I'm like, I need to learn everything <laughs> I possibly can so that <laughs> I I can help my students. If, even if they're intermediate, I, I have something that I can contribute. So, um, yeah, those are kind of my go-to supplies and like my little, I don't know, musings, meanderings. Um, but Catherine, what, what kinds of supplies do you go to on a, you know, day-to-day or irregular basis? Um, I would say, I mean, kind of the same as you, like I have a, such a wide variety of supplies that I've collected over the years, but I really have a few things that I go back to again and again. Um, I, I'll get to nibs in a second, but, um, you know, just pen holders. I am always using an oblique pen holder. Um, almost never use a straight one. When I try to, I feel like I'm like picking up a pen for the first time. It's not pretty. Um, but the, the two that I love are, I have a short little stubby carrot holder, um, from John Neal. And then one that I got at Iampeth, I guess two years ago, um, that Chris Held made. And I really, I use those the most. And then I change out my nibs. Um, I don't change out nibs quite as much as you do, Melissa. I, um, I kind of have my go-tos for that as well. Um, my go-to nibs are uh, the Takikawa G's and the G- Zebra G's, which are both newly manufactured nibs um, that I buy in bulk from Japan. And they're, I mean, again, calligraphers out there are probably cringing a little bit. They're they're not too dissimilar from the Nico G's, but. I have a pretty heavy hand and I just find that, um, I do well with the newly manufactured nibs, um, especially if I'm like doing a modern style and, and also, um, so much of what I'm making ends up getting digitized that if I'm using vintage nibs with super fine hairlines, then they, those get lost when they're scanned. So I just find that um, the Takikawa and the Zebra G's, both um, the hairlines don't fall out when I'm scanning them and that ends up working well for my purposes. So um, for vintage nibs, I love anything that is in the um, vintage Blanzy family. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it's B-L-A-N-Z-Y. My friend Samantha Martin sent me some samples to try for Christmas a couple years ago. And I swear I ordered literally as many as I could find. Um, and I like scoured the internet and they all came from this German man who basically is like my, my favorite online vendor ever. Um, they are great, especially for like textured papers. Um, I love using that nib on like Letra if I'm doing place cards. Um, so it's just kind of great all around for, let's see, what else did you talk about? Oh, paper. Um, for practice paper and for a lot of like digital work that I'm doing, I, I use Clairefontaine or Rhodia pads. Um, I really don't like lined pads. I I know a lot of calligraphers are using, um, practice sheets that already have the lines drawn, but I, I just prefer the unlined, unlined pads. And then I place guidelines if I'm using them underneath, um, and just go about it that way. So, um, for guidelines, all that stuff, I probably couldn't live without my light box or my phantom liner. I don't think we've talked about those yet, but um, really ha- 
that's just, those are just like two super handy tools that I, I have to have in my studio. Um, although I will say I'm doing more and more jobs without guidelines or like without the light box or the phantom liner. Um, that's something that has happened a little more slowly, um, as I've practiced more and, um, I definitely still will use a light box for like, especially really traditional copper plate scripts, but, um, I'm doing a lot more freehand styles right now and I'm getting clients ask for like curvy envelopes or, um, curvy or diagonal, um, invitations. So I, if I'm doing something that's like free, I call it freehand that I, I don't use a, a light box or a phantom liner, but, um, definitely, definitely have them. And let's see. Um, like I said, if I'm, you know, working in my studio, I, um, I take whatever I've made back home to my desk and I, um, I digitize everything. So for that, I have to have a flatbed scanner. I, I got a really nice one, um, last year that I love. I have to, I don't, I forget what it's called, but we'll have to put that anyways. in the show notes. Yeah. I'll add it to the show notes. And, um, like you were saying about Photoshop and Illustrator, I mean, I, I definitely second that. I, um, I have a subscription to the Adobe creative cloud it's and so awesome, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I've always had the creative suite just starting in college, but and, I mean, it's gone through so many evolutions, I'm sure as everybody knows, but I, I actually kind of like having the subscription. Um, I like having access to everything. Whereas before you didn't always like the package only came with like, you know, three to five programs or something, but, oh my gosh, I love um, that. yeah, I love it too. So, um, and then I will say something that I've had my eye on a tool that I've really been wanting for a long time is the Wacom tablet, the um, or some people probably say Wacom, but, um, I have an old one that I really don't use that much because it's pretty outdated at this point. And I know there are newer, newer versions that would probably benefit me more. So I've got my eye on that. Probably will have it on my Christmas list, wish list this year. And then, um, hopefully that'll help with some of the vectorizing I do. I, I feel like my process is kind of do it by hand, scan it. And then I, I vectorize, um, when something's being reproduced and I, I go back and I spend time smoothing out my anchor points. And, um, anyways, that's just kind of the tool that's on the horizon for me in terms of studio efficiency. But that's kind of my, um, my go-to repertoire. Of course, like I do, um, a lot of client calligraphy now. So projects change all the time and, and there are a lot of other things, but I would say those are like the bulk of what I'm using. So, um, Bailey, what about you? Are, are, are there any tools that we're missing that we just need to know about or things that you love or, or been wanting to add to your repertoire? Uh, oh gosh, I am definitely not the one to talk to about this because I use so few <laughs> things. Um, especially now I, most of my calligraphy, basically all of my calligraphy is done for reproduction, which you both have talked about pretty extensively, but I don't, I very, okay. So I very rarely do client calligraphy anymore, which is, you know, custom commissions like envelopes or place cards or poems or anything like that, where you would even need a specific color combination. Um, but so I don't use very many things every day and I've kind of developed my styles with the specific tools in mind that I do use and keeping them as consistent as possible, I found is very, very important to creating a okay, this is terrible, but like font like atmosphere almost for my work, because when I'm doing mm -hmm. so much work for order fulfillment, you know, people will potentially have issues if it doesn't look like what they ordered. So mm -hmm. while calligraphy is obviously every single time you write it different, I have had to really, really keep my eye on what the styles that I do for my business are, what tools they're created with and, you know, making sure that they're consistent, which is very hard over the course of five years. I will tell you, there's a lot of stuff on our website that like, I can't even replicate these days because it was five years ago. And my style is, it's 
better. I mean, it looks better now, <laughs> but your hand has changed. It's changed. I mean, yeah. And all of the classes that I've taken and all of that have, have, you know, developed even the, the alphabets that I've created, the sp- excuse me, the specific styles I've created for antiquaria evolve as I get better and as I practice, but I try to keep them as consistent as possible. So I use mm. a Nico G in an oblique holder and Moon Palace Sumi because it's super black and actually the hairlines aren't super thin, which Catherine, you already talked about for digitizing. Mm-hmm. It's very, very important. It's There's nothing more frustrating than scanning something in and then losing your hairlines and then having to go back over them, especially if it's like an entire so wedding invitation. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, <sighs> it's happened more than worst. once. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, I want the... Th- thickest thins I can get anyway. <laughs> yes. um, and I, I use Rodia paper every day. I like their dot pads. However, their dot pads, the dots have gotten darker, so I can't find the lighter ones, which disappear once you scan them. Um, now mm-hmm. they don't disappear. So you just get a bunch of little dots. But anyway, I'm going to have to switch probably to using the dot paper under or lined paper or graph paper or something under their blank paper to get, because also keeping in consistency, I have to keep the same like scale of all yeah. of my work mm-hmm. because that really contributes. I mean, you can fudge it a little bit um, in the computer by stretching it in whatever direction it needs to go, but it's best to try to keep it as consistent as possible. So I do that combo right. in whatever style is needed for the project. And then I scan it in. I have a brother. Um, it's I've had it since my client calligraphy business. So it's now, I guess, six years old. And it's a large bed. So it's 11 by 17 scanner with a oh, printer. Oh, that is so nice. Yeah. That's and I use that too. all the time. Um, and it's it's done mm-hmm. really well. And I don't even know if they make them anymore, but it's a brother and it's a like large bed scanner. So you could definitely look that up. Um, I'm sure that this model is no, no longer made it sold, but it's been my trusty mm-hmm. companion through all of my moves and all of my businesses. And it's been great. And having the large bed is, I mean, it's almost crucial for me. I use it yeah, all the time. Um, Same. Yeah. And you wouldn't think it would make such a huge difference, but it kind of does. At least to me. Totally does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, especially if you're doing anything on like the marker layout paper, I've been doing a lot of work on the layout paper and it's, a, it's 11 by 14. Right. Or nine, nine by 12, yes. nine by 12. And that's, it doesn't just scan in on a normal scanner. Barely doesn't too fit. big. Yeah. 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 So even that would be so nice. Yeah. It's awesome. And yeah, all of those pads, all of them are so different, but I think this, it scans up to 11 by 17, but I actually think the bed is slightly larger. So I'm pretty sure I can even put the black, like 12 by 18, whatever. Oh gosh, that's awesome. I think I can. Anyway, it's, it's so nice. I know I do too. Uh, I've, (laughs) <laughs> I just got some more, which I've been having a lot of fun with. It's so nice to play around with the different, the different like colored paper after being on white for so long. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, I scan it in and then I put it in illustrator. We do all of our invites, stamps, cars, everything is done in illustrator. We work with Photoshop some same. We have the subscription, um, for our business that we use. It's great. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't mess with any other programs. Um, Mm-mm. there's just no point if you're trying to be a professional in the industry to do that. Yeah. Um, and then you speak the same language as everyone else as well. If you have a question, like most designers can help you it'd be like, Hey, Melissa, how do I do this? Or, you know, and if you're in a kind of obscure program, ugh, be like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, anyway, so beyond that, so that's like work. Oh, I also have been doing a lot of our cards, have brush lettering on them because for foil printing, I find that it works a lot better. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I've been using recently, especially after Iampa, the Pentel, what is it? Um, the sign sign touch. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's so nice. It's because a lot of the brush pens are like, you have to make your lettering enormous because Mm -hmm. the, 
you know, I'm not using an actual dip brush and, and ink. I'm just using the pen. So you're kind of at the, the justice of however it's made. So I really, really yeah. like that one. And I actually did jet a pens. YouTube video with that and it was, it turned out really well. Um, yeah. Jet pens has them and a bunch of different colors too. They also have what's called a foodie. I don't really know how to pronounce it. It's like F U D E foodie something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, type of pen and it's like that smaller brush that's firm but yeah. it gives you those swells um i got a bunch of them they have like this like brush sampler pack oh my gosh they're so fun like those Uh-oh. tiny ones they're sounds like, like something really i'm fun. gonna have to buy <laughs> yeah you're, you know you're like, gonna have you send us that link too Melissa. yeah, yeah that that'll one. be in the notes um yeah i mean i I've really been using that. It took me a very long time to acclimate myself to brush lettering after point of pen for so long. I mean, oh yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it's a whole different beast. So it's awesome that you're going to have a yeah. class on that. I think I think watching people and then just practicing and I mean, it's like when you start pointed pen. I mean, it doesn't look great for a while. Um, yeah, but especially if you're coming from already knowing the alphabet basics, like you can pretty much replicate modern calligraphy or copper plate or even Spencerian in brush with the right touch. Like once you get accustomed to what it feels like. So anyway, so I've been using that a lot too for, um, cards and some, some stamp designs, some invitations, but just because it gives you a really nice thick, um, thick letter even in the thins a thick letter and which helps for reproduction whether it's letter press or mm-hmm. foil printing it's more of a printing issue than um anything so anyway yeah, and then personally I you know I've tried to get back to study and it's something that's kind of new for me I've you know been doing calligraphy now for six years full-time basically and you know, at a certain point, like you do your styles and that's what you do. And I just decided, I think it was last year at Iampeth. Yeah. So conference of 2014, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to study Spencerian. I'm going to start studying Spencerian. It's something I had only done with self-study very randomly self-studied I did our wedding invitation and addressed them in Spencerian which I kind of don't want to look back on now but um anyway I it was you know it was like I wanted a challenge essentially I wanted a challenge and Spencerian was something that you know it's pointed pen I do a lot of pointed pen um it can be wedding related so I could translate it into our business um so I was like I'm gonna start studying that and I took some classes at Iampeth and then I took Harvest Crittenden of Acorn Arts, her online classes last year, she did a beginner and Mm -hmm. then an advanced. And then um, I've kind of continued to study that ever since. So I've been practicing that. And more recently, um, every evening, I try to take a little bit of time just to do personal calligraphy, studying Spencerian script and practicing because it's so it's so different than copper plate or modern or anything else. It's muscle memory and it's a very light touch, which I typically have a very heavy touch or have had a very heavy touch. So it's striving for the lightest hairlines possible and a lot of speed, which I write very slowly and I try to have thick hairlines as we've discussed. So it's a whole nother beast. So I have a separate set of tools, also very basic for that, but I've been using the browser EF66 or the principal nib with an iron gall ink or a walnut ink. And I use the same Rodia paper. Um, but, and then I just do all of my work on my desk with a letter, a leather blotter for mm-hmm. padding. Um, because you should always write on something padded. And I don't know, I have a ton, a ton, a ton of other tools. If anybody has seen my desk, you can see what a hot mess it is. Um, But I just like, I really rarely use anything else but what I just listed. Just very, very, very simple. Um, Yeah. And I like that. Like, I I actually am not somebody that, you know, oh, this new thing comes out and I want to buy it. Like, I kind of don't. Like, I'm probably to a fault. I don't really try new things. Um, I just kind of stick to what I know. So yeah, 
yeah. probably stuff that you, awesome. you all have used um, over and over. I did when I did do client calligraphy. I did use my light box a lot, but I don't ever use it anymore. <laughs> um, well, and um, one other thing I was going to say was that for anybody who doesn't know maybe what Spencerian looks like or what copper plate looks like or brush lettering, we are going to do an episode coming up in the near future where we're going to um, describe these styles more. And I think Bailey just did such a great job of like describing Spencerian and um, we'll get into that even more yeah. down the road. So thank you, Bailey. For yeah, that. absolutely. We'll yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I've almost tried it all. So that'll be a really fun episode. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Very, very cool. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's basically everything that I use and, you know, it's, it's fascinating how, how different everybody works. And I think it's really cool to hear about what you guys use and what you need for your work too, all being in the basically the same field, you know? Yeah. Well, I love that you mentioned Bailey that, um, it's like you have to replicate this style that you developed five years ago. So you really have to pay attention to what tools you used and, and you really have to be purposeful with those, decision to kind of create your own exemplar for your work. And I'm sure other calligraphers out there, um, are in the same boat, especially like wedding calligraphy. Mm -hmm. They see a style that you do and they, they expect that and you need to create that consistency for them, even though you're not a font and that's, that's the reason why they're hiring you. You do have to kind of take some of those cues from, you know, topography and fonts to, to really make your business work. Yeah, absolutely. I learned that really, really early and really fast when I was just kind of doing whatever I thought was the style. This was, you know, the very beginning. And I mean, clients are not, um, hesitant to give feedback (laughs) about (laughs) what they think needs to be changed. And, I realized pretty quickly, it's like, well, if your M looks like that, it always needs to look like that. And yeah, you're right. So for all intents and purposes, I do have an exemplar. Granted, it's mostly in my head, but um, that, you know, this style. So we have a standard antiquarius style and the A's look like this and the B's look like this and the C's look like this. And then we have a standard flourish style and then we have a vintage calligraphy style. And we actually have a PDF that we email out if somebody's looking for the style and they can select it and then I, yeah, I have to replicate it. And I think that that's very common for wedding calligraphers, especially, but yeah, it's an, it's important to keep in mind, you know, when you're developing a style, like you may have to replicate it for years and years to come. So choose wisely. Um, (laughs) but especially if it becomes popular, but anyway, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a learning curve for that, but yeah, creating, if you are trying to create, um, your own style, making exemplars is a great way to do it. Um, you know, just even for yourself, but I've had to, I mean, I, we sell a calligraphy kit and I've taught the past couple of years. So I actually had to create an exemplar for my work. Um, yeah. Which at that point wasn't that hard because I had been doing that kind of thing for ever, but it, you know, it, it all works out, but yeah, it's very important to keep in mind. And I think, I think, you know, wedding invitations and the stamps especially are what I think it's most important on, um, because they, you know, people are wanting to purchase a specific product and they expect that product to be consistent with what they're seeing online. I mean, we're not in person, um, where they, they see limited examples. So yeah, it's really important if you're trying to sell things like that. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. And I think, um, I think it's important that we like, like you mentioned about creating these exemplars have that purpose, purposeful mindset, but like, in all aspects of calligraphy, purposeful as- mindset in, you know, approaching your practice, you know, like keeping that in your nightly routine, figuring out what tools you use for what specific style and, um, you know, being purposeful about business decisions, you know, making that leap to, to sort of go off on your own. It's, it's 
not something to really be taken lightly, not to say that it's all serious and no fun at all, but, but it is, it, it does require that purposeful mindset to really, to really do, um, to do what we do. I mean, you, you really need to, um, keep that in mind, keep those details in mind. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, I think the biggest thing too is like, if you are going to make money at anything, but let's say calligraphy, I mean, you need to be professional and you need to be a business no matter how much or how little you do, you have to maintain a level of professionalism and you have to be confident in yourself and in your work. And that's kind of part of it, you know, is just creating the, even like illusion or, you know, it's not an illusion, but if you're not feeling confident, you have to at least appear like you're feeling confident and charge people, um, what you need, what you want. And, you know, it, yeah, you have to keep all of those things in mind and you have to deliver, which that goes into, you know, delivering. Yeah. And that's like a whole, like a whole nother thing. Another episode. <laughs> yeah. A whole nother episode, ladies. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Seriously. I could talk for hours. I know. I know. We could go on and on and on. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> well, Catherine, oh. do you have anything to add before we close? I mean, you guys have covered so much. I've, I've just been like wanting to sit here and take notes. I'm going to go back and re-listen to everything you've said and make sure I'm like, <laughs> Filling in holes that I have, but no, I just, I mean, it's funny that, you know, the three of us were all calligraphers doing this full time and yet like our hats are pretty different. I mean, we are using different tools. There is overlap, but like, you know, I wouldn't say that, um, our day-to-day lives are identical by, by any stretch. And, um, I just, I feel like I gained so much by talking to you ladies and, um, hearing how you do things. And even though they're different from how I do things, like I I know I'm going to just like take away bits and pieces that are such good little nuggets of wisdom and incorporate them into, um, my business. So thank you guys for sharing so much. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, we hope that there are other people listening to this and those of you who have listened <laughs> have enjoyed today's program. <laughs> um, so thanks for tuning in to the premiere episode of the Click Free Sessions podcast. And now that you know a little bit about us, we'd love to meet you. Introduce yourself um, in the comments of our show notes at clickfree.org slash podcast um, or find us on Instagram um, at Florida Letters at Antiquaria Bailey and at Melissa Fur. You can find those in the show notes. Um, and let us know who you are and um, what you think about the show. And um, yeah, let us know what nib do you use? And um, if you were a nib, which nib would you be? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you back here next week when we sit down and chat with Kathy Malisi, lettering artist extraordinaire, creator of the popular font gratitude strip script, uh, gratitude script and um talk about time management um yeah until then yes happy lettering happy lettering Woo-hoo. Woo. okay an hour and 25 minutes guys wow. holy crap <laughs> no it's only 106 on the recorder oh, okay oh, okay good yes